Philippians chapter 4. It is both the blessing and the curse of preaching through uh, a book straight through. And uh, I have um, in the last year or two become more convinced uh, that um, we do need to preach more in that way uh, so that we get the whole counsel uh, of God's Word because um, then the preacher is forced to deal with passages that um, he would not ordinarily uh, touch. And this is one of those passages. Uh, it doesn't deal with a controversial topic. Uh, it's just a topic that, well, I have it. I can tell you in 30-some years of preaching, I've never preached this passage. Um, and again, it's not controversial, like preaching on um, divorce. Um, and again, I've uh, friends of mine who have been preaching through books who have had to deal with that issue and um, and homosexuality and some of the controversial issues. But uh, by uh, going through a book, we do, um, whether whether we want to admit it or not, preachers kind of uh, will get on a few of our favorite topics and stay there uh, and uh, force us a little bit uh, out of our uh, comfort zone uh, by going, and, and I will tell you that um, I honestly uh, debated uh, skipping this passage and going on, but uh, God convicted me and uh, spoke to me about that and said, I told you to preach through the book of Philippians, and I didn't tell you to skip any of it. Uh, it was important enough for Paul to write. It's important enough for you to talk about. So uh, this morning, we're going to look uh, at this passage that uh, deals with the glory uh, of generosity. Uh, and some of you have already looked at uh, your bulletin, perhaps, uh, or you just heard me uh, give uh, the title, uh, and you have immediately put up your uh, guard and uh, put up your defenses. Uh, oh, no, he's going to preach on tithing. Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm going to preach on generosity, uh, and there is a difference uh, in those two things. Tithing is part of generosity, uh, but generosity uh, goes so much further uh, than just uh, being uh, a tither. Uh, and so the letter we're looking at, uh, the book of Philippians, the letter of Philippians, uh, Paul wrote, uh, really, uh, for two uh, main reasons that uh, he uh, wrote this letter. One of them was uh, that, uh, and we've talked about this in particular earlier uh, in the letter, uh, that Paul wanted to share with the Philippian church uh, the, 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 the importance, the message uh, of joy regardless uh, of your circumstances. We've talked about this, and I, I stress it again. Uh, when you read the book of Philippians, never, ever forget uh, that Paul wrote these words while uh, imprisoned, uh, while in all likelihood, uh, as far as he knew, uh, facing execution. Uh, and the Philippian church uh, was also... 
uh, under uh, fairly uh, heavy persecution, uh, as most Christians were uh, in that time. Uh, and so Paul was saying, in spite of uh, your persecution, in spite of your circumstances, uh, you should have joy uh, on the inside. Uh, and the second reason that uh, Paul wrote this letter, which is kind of the focus of uh, our passage today, uh, was to, it was a thank you letter. Uh, Paul was thanking uh, the church at Philippi uh, because they had taken up an offering uh, and sent by Epaphroditus uh, to support Paul. Uh, and really, I don't know that it's fair to say support him in his ministry, uh, but to support him in living. Uh, again, he was imprisoned, uh, and the way the Roman prisons worked was the prisoners were responsible uh, through their friends, family, cohorts, whatever, uh, for their own supplies. They had to raise, still had to raise their own uh, support. Uh, and so the Philippians were sending this offering to Paul uh, for that purpose. And Paul is writing back uh, to thank them uh, for their generosity uh, and for their, uh, for their gift. And uh, the flip side of that, I, I've repeated numerous times, it's important to remember uh, that Paul wrote these words from in prison, uh, but it is important to remember in that idea uh, that the Philippians uh, were taking up an offering and sending to Paul for his support uh, when they themselves uh, needed help. Uh, they themselves were not uh, very financially stable. Again, they uh, lived in a time, they lived in a culture where uh, many times for being a Christian, you were basically uh, ostracized from uh, society. People wouldn't do business with you. Uh, they wouldn't come in your shop or they wouldn't allow you to do business with them. And you could be uh, persecuted for that, uh, for your faith. And so uh, it wasn't like they were uh, rolling in the dough uh, themselves and yet, uh, they send uh, this generous offering uh, to Paul. And as uh, he writes to them, uh, there are several things that, uh, that he reminds us of here uh, about generosity. And I want to uh, say again that uh, I am not uh, focusing this morning uh, on tithing. Uh, that is important. Uh, and eventually, if I preach through uh, enough books, we're going to have to deal with tithing. Uh, and, uh, it, but that is part of generosity as well. Uh, but generosity uh, comes in a lot of forms. Uh, generosity is not just uh, giving um, of, of, uh, of cash gifts. Generosity uh, is giving of uh, yourself as well. Uh, being willing uh, to help others. Being willing uh, to help others in need uh, in, in whatever way that may look like. Uh, and so we're talking about something far bigger uh, this morning uh, than just uh, tithing to your local church. While that falls under the umbrella uh, of generosity, uh, generosity is uh, much bigger uh, than just uh, what uh, what we give uh, in our local church. And part of the reason for that, uh, the, the importance of that, is seen in Paul's uh, first words here uh, as he begins this section. 
uh, and uh, as he speaks to them uh, about his situation, about uh, what's going on, uh, as uh, he tells them uh, that uh, generosity, uh, he says uh, in this passage, uh, he, he says to them, notwithstanding ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now, I realized this morning that uh, the King James statement there uh, is a little bit uh, confusing. Uh, you communicated uh, with my affliction. Uh, you know, that sounds like, uh, you know, they walked up and, you know, you got a broke arm and they walk up and say, hey, broke arm, how you doing? Uh, you know, that that's the, uh, a better word uh, for you and I today uh, than communicated uh, would be the word share. Uh, in fact, many of the modern translations, that's uh, the word that they use. Paul says, uh, notwithstanding you've done good, uh, that you shared in my uh, affliction. And the, the, the importance of generosity uh, is seen, I think, really in that statement because uh, it is through generosity uh, that we are able uh, to encourage uh, others. Imagine, uh, again, if you can, uh, to be in Paul's position. And uh, Paul is wondering, uh, as he's traveled throughout uh, Asia and he's planted churches uh, in various cities and uh, met a lot of people, preached to a lot of people, led a lot of people to the Lord. Uh, And you can imagine how uh, Satan is working on Paul uh, now that he has been imprisoned for preaching that very gospel. Uh, You can only imagine some of the things that Satan, uh, some of the seeds that he's trying to plant. Uh, Paul, you did all that work. You went around all those places and none of them uh, care one thing about you. They can care less if you die here. They can care less about you. They don't, you know, you wasted all that time. You could have been busy uh, still making tents. You could have been... out uh, living your life. But no, you wasted uh, all of that time. Nobody loves you, Paul. And in particular, God doesn't love you. God doesn't. You, you know, uh, you have to know uh, that Paul had uh, some of those kinds of faults uh, sitting there uh, in that prison. That no one cares about you, Paul. No one loves you. You've wasted all this time preaching the gospel and telling people God loves them and God doesn't even love you. And then along comes Epaphroditus with this offering from the Philippian church. You can only imagine how uh, Paul's spirit was bolstered by the generosity uh, of the Philippians. And again, in particular, that Paul knows that the Philippians didn't really have it to give. That the Philippians didn't really uh, have uh, the offering uh, to to give. They didn't have the money uh, to send him, but they were uh, coming alongside him. And, and throughout the New Testament, uh, we are reminded uh, of the importance uh, of uh, of generosity in the Book of Luke. Uh, Paul or, or, or uh, Luke right there says, Given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over 
shall men give unto your bosom, how at the same measure uh, that, uh, that ye, uh, that ye uh, meet with all, it shall be measured to you uh, again. Uh, and again, Second uh, Corinthians, uh, he says, uh, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, um, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Why does God love a cheerful giver? Well, I think there are a lot of reasons we could uh, elaborate on about why God loves uh, a cheerful giver. Uh, But I think one of the key reasons is because God uses a cheerful giver to encourage an uncheered person. I'm not sure that's proper English, uh, but I think God uses a, uh, a, a cheerful giver uh, to encourage um, others, uh, to, to strengthen them, and to cause them uh, to press on. It's hard for me to imagine this morning uh, that, there's not a, that there's a person in this room who hasn't been on the receiving end, who hasn't experienced the blessing of someone else's generosity of being down and out being downtrodden being discouraged and someone blessing you in such a way that it encouraged you to get up and keep going yeah, that, that it was a strength to you again I'm not necessarily talking about they walked up and handed you a hundred dollar bill you can be generous uh, with praise and thanksgiving You can be generous with encouragement. You can be generous in a lot of ways. There there are many ways uh, to be generous. I I hesitate to tell this story uh, because I, I don't want to. I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to brag on me. I'm just giving you an example. Okay. I came out of the hospital the other day. And uh, I don't know his name, but there's this fellow African-American gentleman who I see in the grocery store that I shop at all the time. And this man has lost about two people. I mean, he used to be a, a big guy, older guy, but he has lost a pile of weight. And we talk all the time in the grocery store. And I saw him um, in, the, in the parking deck at the hospital. And I knew immediately as I was walking out what he was doing. If you ever see anybody, and this is what I saw. I don't have them. Caleb's got my keys. Um, But he was standing in the parking lot, standing out in the parking deck doing this. Anybody know what he was doing? He was trying to make the horn on his car blow so he could find his car. And the man, I mean, he's, he's kind of... He's not crippled, but he doesn't get around real good to begin with. And he's standing there, and I, I, I can't say, what's wrong, bud? You can't find your car? And he says, nope. He says, I know I parked it right here. And I, I said, well, what, what kind of car is it? And he told me, and I looked, and there wasn't a car that color, let alone that model, that style, anywhere in sight. And I said, tell you what, I'll go get my car. And I'll come back and get you, because I was parked over about Sears, if any of you haven't been to the hospital lately. Um, I'll go get my car, and I'll come back and get you, and we'll ride around, and we'll find your car. 
And so we rode around that parking deck. He's looking. He told me he's got a personalized license tag. He told me what it said. I'm looking. I still haven't seen anything that resembled his car. He said, I know I parked on the, I know this is where it's at. And I said to him, I said, no chance did you, and that you went up on the next level. He says, no, I don't think so. And I mean, obviously you have to kind of go up a hill to get to the next level. And you'd think he'd remember that. But I said, well, let's try. And so I turn and I go up the hill. And um, as we get up to the top of the hill and I start, he says, there it is. That poor fellow would have been walking around that parking lot forever trying to find his car. Again, I'm not saying, don't, I'm not telling you that story so that you, you know, I hope if you, I hope if you see me walk around looking for my car, you help me find it. Cause I have. You know, I have done that very same thing. Problem is, the little button thing on my keychain's got a mind of its own. It don't always blow and so it doesn't help. But I'm saying, you can be generous to people without necessarily being a financial transaction. You can be generous with being nice. Wouldn't that be a refreshing idea in our society? Be generous in your niceness. Be generous in politeness. Be generous in... Isn't that what... If you were asking yourself about Jesus Christ, wouldn't you say He was polite? Wouldn't you say He was nice? Wouldn't you say He was kind? Wouldn't those all be words that you would say Jesus was generous in those areas as well? The greatest gift Jesus Christ ever gave was not a financial gift. But it's we have the opportunity to encourage... Others through our generosity. How many of you know today that we live in a discouraged, downtrodden world? People are lonely. People are hurting. People are, you know, upset. And we have the opportunity to be an encouragement. Can you imagine a way where we could be more like Jesus Christ than in encouraging others? You know what I thought about when I come out of that parking lot? Is I can see my mama standing. Of course, she would never lose her car because hers is the one parked sideways in the parking place. Because she can't ring a parking place. Now, but you know, I can just see my own mama out there beeping the horn. And I wouldn't want somebody to leave her wandering around the parking lot. She has enough trouble finding her way home as it is. Yeah. Yeah, but think about it. You know, can you imagine that, that poor man and what was in his mind as he's looking for his car? I used to work with a guy who, uh, he loved the Charlotte Hornets, the original first time they were here. Back when the Coliseum was out on Tavola, the one, the, the not new, the second new, whatever you call it, Coliseum. He forgot what letter he parked his car in, his truck in one night when he went to the ball game. And he just had to sit down on the front porch of the Coliseum and wait till the parking lot emptied so he could see his truck sitting down there. We can be generous.
and encourage others. Paul says that you encouraged me at a time when, when I was down. And again, the Philippian church was small. The Philippian church was broke. The Philippian church didn't have anything really to offer but encouragement. I can't imagine from what we know of the Philippian church that this was a huge offering. But it was an offering that when Paul received it, let him know that God still cared. You know that gentle, kind, compassionate word you say to that waitress today at lunch? That nice word you say to the cashier this afternoon when you go through the grocery store? Might be the very word. Listen, I'm not trying to be extreme here. I'm being realistic. It happens. That might be the very word that causes that young person, maybe not necessarily young, causes that person to say, you know what? I'm not going to kill myself when I get off work today. See, Jimmy, you're being extreme. No, I'm not. It happens all the time. generous. It's an encouragement. Not only is generosity an encouragement, but as he goes on, Paul says this. He says, generosity is an endowment. An endowment. Now, an endowment is not something most of us know much about because endowments, wealthy people stuff. Um, but I've heard about it, okay? I don't I don't know it, but I have heard about it. endowment where someone sets aside money for the for, to be used for a cause later on. Paul says this about their generosity, beginning in verse fifteen. He says, "Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated or shared with me." As concerning uh, giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, uh, you sent once and again under my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. There's three words I want. I, I, I know some people don't write in their Bible, and that's cool. Um, if you don't, that's fine. But if you do... There's three words that I want you to mark in that passage. And those words are this. Giving and receiving. You see those three words? Now, what I tell you this letter was about had two purposes. One was to encourage them to have joy. Second was to thank them for their gift. But what does Paul say here? He says, giving and receiving. What Paul is teaching us here is, again, I told you the title this morning is the glory of generosity. Why is generosity important? Because when we give, we receive. Paul doesn't just say, I'm writing to you about giving. 
Paul says, I'm writing to you about giving and receiving. You see that? I think that's extremely important in that passage. Paul doesn't just congratulate them or encourage them uh, about their giving. But then he speaks to them. He says, you know, uh, again, that I departed uh, and nobody shared with me about concerning giving and receiving. Paul says it's important that we understand. Listen, giving brings a blessing back to us. Giving brings uh, a blessing back to the receiver. Now, let me hurry down this road. I'm not in any way, shape, nor form, nor does the Bible at any place tell you that if you give $20 by dark, you'll have 40 That's social media. That's a few um, fellas on television. Nowhere does Scripture give us an indication that Again, if you give $20 away, that by dark, you'll have that $20 back. You may. You may have 40 You may have 200 There are people in here who can testify to that fact. But there are also a number of people who could testify to the truth that in the morning they gave away $20 and that night they were $20 poor. Because it didn't come back. That's not what Paul is talking about. That's not the reason even that we give. That is the blessing of generosity. Paul says that I wrote these things. He says that, that you would understand about giving and receiving. I, I, I want... To be very clear uh, on that point, I am not, nor in particular is the Bible not saying that when that God is obligated in any way that if you give something away, that God replaces it. If that was how things worked, we'd all be running around giving away everything, you know, because then the next day we'd have it back. Maybe plus interest. It's not the way things work. It's not what he's talking about. What I can tell you is that based on Scripture, based on Scripture, not based on televangelists, not based on popular opinion, based on Scripture, is that any time You give. God sees it. God records it. God smiles on it. And God makes note of it. And isn't that more important than giving away five and getting ten back anyway? If I was to come to you and say to you, would you rather have ten dollars or the blessing and the approval of God. I don't think there's anybody here or anybody online who would say I'd take the cash. 
just a few weeks ago, we stood here in this very room and we sang, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have the blessing. I'd rather have the approval. I'd rather have the smile of God on my act of generosity than I would to be reimbursed. That's what Paul is talking about. Generosity is laying up for the future. Every time you're generous, maybe it is being nice to that cashier at the store. Maybe it is being nice to that waitress. Maybe it is giving her a little extra tip. Maybe it is helping the guy that can't find his car. Maybe it is giving somebody a ride. Maybe it is standing out here in the parking lot and praying with people who are hurting. Whatever it is, God sees that generosity. And can He, will He, might He reward you physically, financially? Yes. Does He have to? No. What he does do is make a note of the generosity of his people. And to use, oh, heaven help us, the preacher's going to use scripture. I'd rather lay up some rewards where the moth and the dust don't corrupt than I would. Again, to use the words of that song, to have the acclaim of man. Paul says generosity, it it brings a blessing. Anytime you are generous to family, friend, stranger, cashier, waitress, whoever, whoever it is. Anytime, anywhere, God knows, God sees, God recognizes that, that act of generosity. 1 Timothy, Paul writes there, he says, They that do good, they that be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time that they may lay hold on eternal life. Generosity, in whatever form it takes. Can I ask you this? Let's think about it. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, how many of you would say, I want to be like God? I want to be like Him. I believe we're to be God-like. I think everybody here, everybody online would agree with that statement. Well, has there anybody ever been any more generous than this statement? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. You cannot be more God-like. You cannot have the approval of God, I believe, anymore than through the act of generosity. It's an endowment. Generosity is an expression. What he says in Philippians chapter 4 verse 18. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Giving is an expression of worship. Whatever it is you give, it is an expression of worship.
You give financially because God gave you. And you want to you want to please Him. You want to praise Him. You give generosity. You give kindness. You give those things because God has first loved you when you are generous. Listen, generosity is not natural. There's a reason one of the first words little children learn is the word "back." How many of you know that to be a true statement? And they say it with that attitude too. I like the story, and I'm not going to tell the whole, about the man that took his son to McDonald's and got him a Happy Meal, and they were sitting out. He reached over to get a French fry, and they said, nah, nah, I bought the fries. I'm big enough to whoop you and take the fries. If I wanted to, I'd go get enough fries to bury you. You're going to say, nah, nah. Generosity is an expression of our worship and our appreciation to God that says we worship you because you're generous to us. We want to express generosity to others. Generosity. He says it's an expression of how we show others. Anytime we're generous, we're showing the love of Jesus. You want to know, and I'm not going to do this to her, but I can have Jackie walk over to that microphone, and she could tell you for the rest of the afternoon stories of people who have come through the grocery store and are anything but generous. Would that be an accurate statement, Jackie? I'm not going to send you to the microphone, but you can do this. Oh, Oh, I done struck a nerve. She is willing to talk on that one. When you show generosity, whether it's financial, whether it's kindness, whether it's niceness, whether it's encouragement, whether it's help, in whatever way it is, you show the love of God. Because generosity is not normal. Selfishness, self-centeredness, that's normal. Listen, you're sharing, you're presenting the love of Jesus Christ. Is anybody in here, you don't have to raise your hand, you don't have to answer the question. You ever had someone be generous in their kindness, their compassion, their love, their patience, their encouragement to you? And when they did it, you were like... Because it's so unusual. Generosity is an expression. Generosity is an expectation. Listen. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I've been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Do 
generosity is saying, God is going to meet my needs. God's going to take care of me. Listen, here's the principle. If you become a cheerful giver, God will take care of your needs. Again, I'm not telling you he'll give you back the $20 you give away. But he'll take care of you. God makes note. God blesses. When we become a generous person. Let me tell you how generosity works. And the blessing of generosity. I had this week the great and grand, wonderful, very thankful for privilege of going to the Gate Pregnancy Center. Gate Pregnancy Center started out in Harrisburg as a ministry of Providence Church. And just recently, they have opened up another office over here in the shopping center. Debbie, what's it called where, you, where your office was there? The Village. Thank you. Uh, over here at the Village and behind the Burger King and where Winn-Dixie used to be, they've opened up a place. And I had the opportunity to go, um, along with a few other Baptists, to dedicate to the dedication service of their new ultrasound. Now, let me tell you why that's important. Because every week, or any time, you give an offering in this church. has been this way for years. Anytime you give an offering in this church, you may not think of Gate Pregnancy Center, but a piece of that offering goes every month to support the Gate Pregnancy Center. Not only does a piece of that offering go to support the Gate Pregnancy Center, because we are Southern Baptists, a piece of that offering goes to what is known as the cooperative program. Those of you who don't know what that means, the cooperative program is really what it sounds like. It is the Southern Baptist churches across the United States putting a portion of their money together, cooperating together to do missions. So every week when you put, or any time you put an offering in at this church, a portion goes directly from here, Carol, monthly, or maybe quarterly, I don't know, but ever so often, regularly, how's that? Regularly sends a donation to the Gate Pregnancy Center. Monthly, she sends our gift to the cooperative program. Now, that money goes to carry to the Baptist State Convention Office. In Cary, they take a piece of that offering to operate the missions of the Baptist State Convention. The other piece of that offering goes to Nashville, the cooperative program, Southern Baptist Convention Headquarters, where it gets divided out between the North American Mission Board, International Mission Board, seminaries, blah, 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 blah. One of the places that money goes when it goes to Nashville is to an organization that we founded called the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. What that organization does, what its purpose is, is they um, do a lot of things. But simply, 
they help inform the churches and pastors of legal issues that are coming down the pipe that we need to know about, we need to be prepared for. For example, several years ago when the uh, homosexual marriage issue got so big, they were the ones who were feeding us information on how to navigate those legal waters. They go to Washington, D.C., and they lobby politicians for law changes, um, those kinds of things. One of the other things they do is fight against abortion. So, I'm going to get there. I know I started out down the street here, and I've ended up in Nashville. Hang with me. Here's what I'm telling you. It's two years ago, part of, part of the ELRC um, is they've got a section in their group that they call the Psalm 139 Initiative. They committed to buy 50 ultrasounds for pregnancy centers across the United States by the end of next year. So far, they've placed 32. So, when you give in this church, part of your money goes directly to the Gate Pregnancy Center. Part of your money goes to the Baptist State Convention, who helped contribute to buy the ultrasound that is at the Gate Pregnancy Center in Concord. Part of your money ended up at the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, who gave the majority of the money to buy the ultrasound that is now in operation at the Gate Pregnancy Center. So, when it's all said and done, you ended up giving about three times to help buy this ultrasound, is what I'm trying to tell you. Now, do you understand that approximately... 90% of the of the young ladies who are considering abortion, approximately 90% of those young ladies, if they are given an ultrasound and allowed to see their unborn child, approximately 9 out of 10 will decide to keep that child and give it life. That ought to be worth an amen somewhere even in a Baptist church. So, here's, here's, again, I'm beating it to death, but I'm going to get there. I promise you. When you give, you gave directly to the church. Part of it went to the Gate Pregnancy Center from here. Part of it helped buy the, uh, the ultrasound machine through the state convention. Majority of it came through the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission to place that ultrasound here. But not just here, but so far 31 others besides the one in Concord and 18 more by the end of this year. 90% of the women who have an ultrasound will choose to give their baby life because of those ultrasounds. Is anybody tracking with me? Do you see the benefit of generosity? Is there one person in this room who had a clue you were part of placing an ultrasound in a pregnancy center anywhere, much less in Concord, North Carolina. I didn't think so. But do you think 
that if 50 ultrasounds are placed across the United States in a two-year period, and 90% of the young ladies who have an ultrasound keep their child, do you think your generosity, and again, you're helping place them all over the United States, 50 of them, do you think that generosity that caused a child to have the gift of life made God smile? Let me ask you a question. How many of you, and be honest if you didn't, that's fine. You ain't got to say a word. How many of you today, in your heart just a little bit, your heart smiled just a little bit to know you were part of something like that? See, that's the blessing of generosity. You may not get that money back. But a child, but a child may be given life. And one day, you might be walking down streets of gold, skipping the light, fantastic, singing, oh, how I love Jesus. When somebody walks up to you and says, you don't know me. You never met me, but because your gift, my mama chose life. I'm not telling you this morning that everything you give will be given back. But I'll promise you this, you cannot outgive God. Generosity. Generosity doesn't have to be money, but God makes note of it, and God blesses generosity. I want to ask you to bow your heads for a moment. You're here this morning, you'd say, Jimmy, I know I'm a Christian. I know I've been saved. That means you know personally the experience of receiving, being on the receiving end of the giving, of the generosity of God. He didn't have to save you. He could have left you lost. He could have left you undone. He could have condemned you to hell and he would have been right in doing so. But out of the goodness of his heart, out of his generosity, He saved your soul. He sent His Son for you. Now He asks us to go out and to be generous as well. Can I ask you this morning to come, to kneel, to bow where you are, whatever you're comfortable with, and say, Lord, help me to be generous, not just financially. Many in this room... I know you you may not have the ability to be generous financially. But heaven knows we can be nice. We can encourage. We can uplift. God, help us to be generous. 
most important you're here today. You're joining us online and you don't know Jesus Christ personally. You've never asked him into your heart. God was so generous that he gave his son to die on a cross for you. So that you could have salvation. So that your sins could be forgiven. And he's holding that gift out saying, here it is. Whosoever will, will you come this morning? Will you come and ask Jesus Christ to save you? To cleanse you and forgive you? And accept his generous gift? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. God, grateful for your generosity, grateful for your pattern, grateful for your model of generosity. Lord, we ask you this morning, God, to help us to model that as well, to be generous in all areas of life with the downtrodden, with the hurt, with the lost. God, teach us to be generous. God, for the one here today that's never accepted your great gift. God, who's never asked you into their heart. Father, today would you speak to them. Convict them. God, move as only your spirit can. God, if they'd come to know Jesus Christ today, and they'd accept that gift, the free gift of salvation. We'll give the honor for it all, which in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we stand together. This morning, you just want to kneel and say, Lord, I thank you for being so generous with me. Giving me salvation that I didn't deserve. Love that I could have never earned. Grace that I could have never paid for. And I want to thank you. Teach me to be generous like you, Lord. Appreciate your attention. Remind you again, uh, two weeks from yesterday, uh, we will be going over to Latrobe to the abortion clinic um, that Saturday morning. And so hope you'll join us uh, that day. Um, and again, we'll leave here about 8. We should be back by uh, lunchtime at the latest. And uh, again, God's doing some great things there. Again, one of the abortion clinics in Charlotte has shut down. And 
the numbers uh, on the trove continue to decline. Um, and so we just uh, keep praying, keep believing God's going to intervene there. Uh, again, hope you'll go there, uh, be part of that. My ambition uh, is that um, as we go forward now, and hopefully um, we are finally uh, getting um, back to whatever normal looks like, um, is to have a, a monthly mission, uh, some kind of project. Um, this month we did the uh, sharing house collection. Thank you for that. Uh, that was uh, greatly needed. Um, and so we took that over there last week. March will be going to uh, Latrobe. Um, and so trying just to plan a mission, a monthly mission, uh, kind of some of them uh, lower impact than others, some of them a little harder work than others, um, but something that uh, you may not Again, may not feel inclined to be part of one, but um, here's my objective, and I talked about this a few months ago, um, is that I believe the church can boil it down to three things. We are to gather, we are to grow, and we are to go. Um, We're gathered right now, uh, but we are to grow, and we do that by meeting together and, and small groups and discipling and growing closer to Him, and then the natural flow from that is to go. Uh, and so my objective um, as we move forward uh, now is to have everybody uh, involved in those three areas. Uh, that there's a process that everybody knows is expected of them, uh, that uh, somewhere um, in a year's time you ought to be able to find some uh, mission, some way you can go, uh, something you can be part of to, uh, to give back uh, for what God has given you. So uh, that is our March mission, uh, is we will be uh, going and praying uh, at uh, the abortion clinic. Again, they've pretty much eliminated the walking. Uh, for those of you who have been before or that's the reason you haven't been, uh, God, was a, God gave uh, Love Life the land directly beside of uh, the um, abortion clinic. Um, and they do still make a little lap around the circle uh, to pray as they walk, but you don't have to do that. Uh, believe me, I, I didn't. When I, we got done in the yard with the worship part, I walked right across the street to where the praying took place. Uh, and so, um, but uh, they pretty much eliminated the walking, and so anybody uh, can be part of it. You can be right there on it. Um, and uh, so they've removed that excuse. So remember that. I believe that falls on March the 5th. Um, as, you pr- as we leave, uh, it's in the bulletin, but let me, um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with this, um, and I hope I don't miss anybody. Uh, we have a number of our own uh, that um, we need to pray for. Um, fine to pray for everybody else, but for a minute, let's be, let's be selfish. Let's pray for ourselves. Um, I ask you to remember uh, Diane Killo. Uh, Diane is having uh, a, a lot of problems with her legs. In fact, she's not able to uh, to walk. She's she's pretty well um, confined. Uh, so, um, as a result of her shingles, I hope I'm not telling her business. Uh, so remember Diane. Um, remember JB Hadley. Uh, JB, for those of you who don't know, they found a, um, a mass in his stomach. Uh, they're planning on starting radiation to shrink that uh, because right now it's blocking where he can't eat, uh, and so which has made him extremely weak. Uh, so he's been in the hospital for about a week and a half now. Um, remember my grandmother, if you will. She, my mama, knocked her down and she broke her hip. And had to have it replaced. 
had to have her hip replaced, uh, and she is out of the hospital now, but uh, she is at Bryan Center. Uh, you may want to pray for the staff um, at the Bryan Center. Um, Carol Hancock continues to uh, recuperate, um, and I don't have the list in front of me. Is there anybody else of our own that I'm missing? Um, we've got quite a few that um, are dealing with some. But uh, you'll see it. They're on the prayer list. Find the ones that, that, that are our own and give them, some, give them an extra bath of prayer, if you will. All right, let's dismiss. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the day, uh, for allowing us to gather here this morning, uh, God, in your house and worship you. Uh, God, teach us today again uh, to be like you, to be generous. Uh, God, go with us as we leave here. Uh, God, direct us in all that we do, and we'll give you the honor for it all. For it's in Jesus' wonderful name I pray. Amen.